Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Wednesday, July 10th, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode, today's edition of Locked on Spartans. We're going to switch from Summer League, which we did yesterday. You can check that out. Some some thoughts on Matt Costello, Miles Bridges, Nick Ward, uh, and their Summer League progress so far. We're going to switch gears going from Summer League, from basketball to football. We're going to talk about Michigan State football. I want to start the show talking about who Michigan State is sending to Big Ten Media Days and why I think there's uh, something of interest there, why I think there's a little bit more than just, oh, here's who we're sending. There's sort of a a method to the madness, uh, if you want to put it that way. (laughs) Um, So we're going to talk about that in the first segment. And then segments two and three, uh, I've got Al Carson coming in. He is a listener of the show, a uh, a sports writer, a uh, Michigan State alumni, and we are going to talk about his three breakout players, three players he thinks on the football team that are primed for a breakout this season. So we'll do that for segments two and three. Uh, Reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the show if you don't do that already. Just go to your favorite podcast service wherever you listen to podcasts, hit the subscribe button, and you will get these new episodes on your phone every single day. You get the alerts, hey, there's a new episode out, then you go listen to it and everybody's happy. Uh, you can also head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review as well if you would like to do that. I always appreciate when you guys take time out of your days to do that. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. All right, let's talk about media days. Okay, so... Big Ten Media Days are in a couple of weeks, and it's sort of the unofficial kickoff to college football season. It's the first time in a long time that you'll see national writers, uh, columnists, uh, whatever, beat reporters that are specific to football sort of start to get back into gear. You know, vacation is ending, starting to write bigger stories more uh, frequently, and uh, the media days are, you know, like I said, the sort of unofficial kickoff. You usually get some interesting content, some storylines that'll take us from mid to end of July. Uh, that's when these things are running for all the big conferences. They'll take us the storylines from, you know, the end of July into the middle of August. Once, you know, school is starting to reconvene, players are back on campus, uh, summer slash fall camp is about to get going and things are you know picking back up and we're just a few weeks away from actual football being played. So we're we're almost through the the doldrums. We're almost through the the real slog of summer. A couple more weeks here and we'll be fully into, you know, getting back into football mode. But that starts with Big 10 Media Days and Michigan State uh, each school sends player representatives as well as the coach uh, two media days, Michigan State has always sent, you know, a couple of defensive players, a couple offensive players. It's always been a mix uh, until this year for the first time. 
Michigan State is sending three defensive players to Big Ten Media Days and no offensive players. They're sending Kenny Willekes, they're sending Raekwon Williams, and they're sending Joe Bocci. And on the surface, uh, Michigan State fans, you know, the, the joke reaction, at least my joke reaction was, oh, good, they're trying to, you know, make the media forget that they have an offense. Uh, maybe if you don't send any offensive players, the, the media won't talk about the offense. Uh, and... You know, I, I think to a certain extent that sort of plays into it. I'll get into why in a little bit. Uh, but in terms of representatives, like you can't do better than Joe Bocci, Raekwon Williams, and Kenny Willekes. Michigan State is going to have one of, if not the best defenses in the country next year. And it's going to be headlined by probably the best defensive line and one of the best linebacking groups. And so to send three guys from that front seven you know it makes sense uh in terms of that like uh, those guys are going to be faces of the program they're all really wonderful representatives Kenny Willekes is going to be a first round draft pick if all you know if health is good and, and things kind of go according to plan Raekwon Williams could be a first round draft pick and Joe Bocci could end up being a third or fourth round draft pick uh by the time this season is done so that's three really good representatives three leaders three seniors three i don't know if they'll all three be captains but all three of them could be captains uh we'll see how many captains they have so just great representation from michigan state you you couldn't really do better but the obvious uh absentee is brian lewerke uh, he's a senior quarterback. He's going to be a captain, you would assume, after being a captain uh, as a junior. And, you know, just, I don't know, the way that things have been with Michigan State and quarterbacks, the Connor Cook stuff, I think the program might be a little bit more sensitive to making sure that the senior leader quarterback is perceived that way very publicly uh, as do not draw negative attention for no reason. And so uh, it's a, <clears throat> a little surprising that Brian Lewerke isn't involved. You would think two of those guys and Brian Lewerke would make sense. Uh, and I, I just, you know, you're thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Why would they not send Brian Lewerke? Uh, I, I think there's a couple reasons. I think a little bit to insulate him from just the train wreck that was last season. Uh, Brian had a bad year and he didn't have a bad year because he's a bad quarterback. He had a bad year because he had an injury that was completely mismanaged and he was surrounded by either uh, not talented enough guys or not experienced enough guys or guys that were injured. And in the case, in a lot of cases, it kind of mixed. You know, the starter gets hurt. The guy coming in is not starter level, uh, Is gets injured as well. That happened too. So we, we've gone over the offensive struggles. We've gone over how it was just a train wreck. And so I don't think it's in Brian Lewerke's best interest. I don't think it's in D'Antonio's best interest to send him to Chicago to answer a bunch of, bunch of questions about how hurt he was last season, how bad he was last season, how bad the offense was last season. I think he would do fine in that scenario. It's not because I think Brian Lewerke can't handle it. It's not because I think Brian Lewerke would... Uh, do a bad job, throw somebody under the bus or something like that, I think it'd be totally fine. Um, but I think they're really trying to turn the page from last season and just kind of, uh, you know how it's like after a game, a coach or something might say, yep, we're going to burn the tape and move on. I think that's kind of how the offense is looking at last season. Burn the tape and move on. It's a new day. 
uh, and they don't want their quarterback who had his you know confidence shaken a little bit who was playing injured who was the target of booze was the target of ire from the fan base was unproductive was criticized a ton uh through i think really almost no fault of his own uh they don't want him having to go deal with that crap for a couple days down in chicago and really you know if it was just uh, an up and down season in terms of Brian was sharp some games he wasn't uh, as good other games then I think you know maybe it's a different story but because it happened due to an injury he was playing with an injured shoulder uh, and he was continuously put into a spot to fail by his coaching staffs I think he was failed by the offensive coaches I think he was failed by Mark D'Antonio last year uh, we know Brian wants to play. We know he's a competitor. He doesn't have anything to prove to that. You, as the leader of this, need to be able to say, you are not healthy enough to play effective quarterback. We have to sit you down. And so I think he was failed by his coaches in that regard last year. Uh, he was not managed properly. The injury was not managed properly. And because that's the reasoning, because it was, in my opinion, the fault of people above Brian Lorkey, I think they're could potentially be trying to kind of make good on that, make up for that, learn from their mistakes, not put him in another situation where there's not going to be too many positive outcomes from him going down there. The other thing uh, that is at play here, and I think this is the more interesting thing, I think this is maybe even the more impactful thing, is that there is just an air of secrecy around Michigan State offensive football right now. Uh, We didn't get much in the spring game. We know about all the changes. Uh, Every coach switched positions and is now coaching a different spot on the offense. And Brad Salem is the new offensive coordinator, and we don't know what the new Michigan State offense is going to look like. It's almost it's in direct contrast to what has happened with U of M with Jim Harbaugh giving up play calling, bringing in Josh Gaddis, uh, and they've been very public about it. A very public about. All the changes, uh, what Gaddis is going to do, what he's learned, who he's learned from, what Harbaugh's role is not going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that just like, you know, it's very much in line with, with Michigan football under Harbaugh. It's a very public facing thing. It's, it's meant to build up hype. It's meant to get people excited. Uh, you'll see, you know, fawning pieces in the athletic and the local papers uh, about the, the potential changes under Michigan uh, or at Michigan under Josh Gaddis on offense. And I think much uh, like it's been with Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State, it's just a lot quieter in East Lansing. It's, you know, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to go do it. And then after we're done doing it, if you want to write something about us, then do it then. And that is perfectly in line with everything that's ever happened at Michigan State with D'Antonio as it relates to that. It's just a very quiet uh, steady demeanor, a very uh, sure-handed way to just kind of move forward with things, not build hype, uh, build results, if you want to put it that way, uh, which, yeah, I like putting it that way. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen with this offense, and I think they're trying to keep the lid on something as much as they can. We've heard whispers. We can read tea leaves. We can sort of know that there are changes, perhaps more tempo, perhaps more quarterback runs, perhaps RPOs. Uh, and with Michigan State 
keeping such a lid on it, trying to, you know, everyone asked about it in spring, everyone's going to ask about it in the fall, and we're just not going to see a ton, I think, until they play Tulsa. Uh, I think sending Brian Lewerke there, along with questions about last season, he's going to get a lot of questions about this season, a lot of questions about the coaching changes, a lot of questions about what's new, what's different, and having him there, uh, the potential for a slip-up, not that you know, I'm overly worried about it, uh, that with him uh, is there, but let me put it this way. You would be sending Brian Lewerke to Big Ten Media Days to answer a bunch of questions that he doesn't want to answer about last season, and you would also be sending him, him there to no comment all the things he's probably excited to talk about. I bet Brian Lewerke would have a good time actually talking about the exciting changes on offense, how they're going to be much improved, how this is a different year, how they've turned the page, uh, how fun it's going to be getting to do some different things and how much belief they have that this is going to be a much improved offense from a year ago. And you're basically sending him there to not talk about that uh, because they're keeping such a lid on it. So he's no commenting all the questions he would want to answer and would be excited to answer. And then he's answering all the questions he doesn't want to answer. And you probably end up getting just generic, almost no comment responses on that as well. So there's not really much a point to sending Brian Lewerke to Big Ten Media Days to no comment everybody for a day. That's not really a great experience. And you can send other guys who are going to represent the program well, who are going to do a good job, who are going to talk about how great everything's going to be uh, from the defense. And so I think there's a little bit of method to the madness. I don't think it was just, well, the offense was bad. We don't want to send anybody from the offense. Uh, I think there are reasons behind why it's three defensive players and why Brian Lewerke uh, was not involved in the group and is not going to be going to media days. So we'll uh, take a break right there. Uh, when we get back, we'll be joined by Al Karsten, and we'll get into breakout candidates for next year's football season. Guys, it's 2019, and these days shirts shouldn't wrinkle at your sweat, and with Twillery, they don't. Twillery makes stocking up your closet as simple as restocking the beer in your fridge. It is easy, affordable, and you get the perfect fit guaranteed. They offer non-iron, untuckable, and performance dress shirts for as low as $55 each when you bundle four or more. And even better, they have free shipping and returns, so you could try on some Twills risk-free. Yes, you heard me right. You could try on Twillery shirts completely risk-free. Right now, you can get $25 off your first Twillery purchase by going to twillery.com slash locked on and entering the promo code locked on. And really, do yourself a favor, go to Twillery.com and just check out these shirts. Twillery.com slash Lockdown, they're great shirts. Great shirts. Twillery.com slash Lockdown, promo code Lockdown. One more time, Twillery.com slash Lockdown, promo code Lockdown for $25 off your first order. You can get Locked On Spartans on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you can get this show. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Spartans. All right, welcome back to Locked on Spartans. I am pleased to be joined by Al Karsten. Al is a listener to the show, and he is the next one up in our, I don't even know what I'm calling this, fan base opportunity, join the show, co-hosting. It doesn't matter what it's called. Al, how you doing? Thanks for joining the show. Well, I'm doing good. Long-time listener, first-time um First fan base guest opportunity yeah. platform to join the show. First time, long time, the old uh, sports radio. <laughs> so Al uh, is a 2013 MSU grad, um, 
and does a little bit of writing uh, uh, on the side here as a little side hustle thing. He's an NFL writer for the Sports Wave, which is really cool. You can follow him at Big Alfredo Sauce on Twitter, which is one of the better Twitter handles uh, yeah. you're going to find out there for sure. So I just want to comp- compliment you on Much that one. Appreciate it. Well, yeah, that was definitely a early college days coming up with a nickname for the Twitter before Instagram. It, it, it works. So what we are going to be talking about is some breakout candidates for the football team this season. Uh, you're going to give us your top three, Al. Uh, but before we do that, uh, just give a couple names of some guys that didn't make the cut as top three, uh, but you think uh, could be you know those next in line guys who could potentially have breakout seasons. For the sake of our listeners, yeah, we had to cut down from like yeah. the original list of 15 to 20. Uh, some guys that didn't make our top three. It was like a were, recruiting thing here. <laughs> it was top 20, top 10, classes. top five. Yeah. So, uh, Diari Todd, our fifth string, our fifth defensive tackle. Nick Samack, offensive lineman. Offensive lineman, James Ohabo. Zach Slade mm-hmm. and Jack Saylor. Some guys are getting action on D line. Uh, yeah, I so like he, Slade. He, um, did some nice things there uh, in the spring game. And he's, you know, he's, a lot of these guys are going to be redshirt freshmen, true sophomores, true freshmen. So uh, Slade's definitely a name to keep in mind for the future, for sure. Right. He made some big time plays. I'd like to see a consistent pass rush, but yeah, he had a fumble recovery and he picked off that uh, screen pass, which was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Some of the younger corners I like are, you know, Kalen Gervin and Chris Jackson. And hopefully yeah. we have someone in the tight end group, maybe a Noah Davis or Trent Wilson, <laughs> step up. And then the toughest one to cut off the list was the youngest of the Dowell brothers, Michael Dowell. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been, if I did a top three, I think he would have been on mine because I think he's going to see a lot of time this year in important roles. But yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to be mad at you for having him fourth there on the list, but certainly a name to uh, to keep a, a lookout for is that Dowell name, the third Dowell, Michael Dowell. All right, let's uh, get it started with your number three breakout candidate. Who is it and uh, why are they someone that sticks out to you as a breakout candidate? Number three was uh, Deshaun Mallory. He is a, a redshirt freshman defensive tackle from Bolingbrook, Illinois, and he committed late in the recruiting process and called MSU his dream school. Well, he showed up and had two scout team defensive player of the week honors last year, got in some games, but still was able to redshirt. And I know he's behind uh, Raekwon Williams and, and Mike Ponizuk and possibly Naquan Jones, but mm-hmm. I'm just telling you when I went to the spring game and I'm watching him and he is a bowling ball with an explosive first step and he made life miserable for a number of our offensive linemen. Not that that's uh, not <laughs> anything new for uh, some of the deficient talent on our offensive line, but you know, Mallory sitting at like six one three fifteen was just a disruptive first step, and he was making uh, a very challenging rushing lanes for our ball carriers. And I know it's, I think the strongest position on our team is defensive tackle. I think he'll get a lot of reps in there. And you know, Mallory is, is going to rotate in for some fresh disruptive snaps this mm-hmm. season. Yeah, I'm interested to see what kind of role he's able to carve out because we got the top two guys there that are going to see the bulk of the snaps. Naquan Jones will find his way on the field just like he did last year. And, you know, you look for him to take, you know, even another step this year, but Mallory is someone who certainly I'm looking out for uh, as well, just like you said. And I think, you know, just uh, he's more Raekwon Williams than Mike Panashuk, I think, yeah. although mm-hmm. he might, I, I, Raekwon's gotten bigger too. Um, 
and, and the, both of them, Panashuk and Rayquan have really gotten bigger and are both kind of run stuffing guys. But I think just in terms of that explosive first step, like you mentioned, I think we're really going to see a lot from Ray- Rayquan next year. And I think you could see Mallory uh, develop into a, a similar player of his ilk, just a run stuffer and a guy who can knife in through the backfield, get five, seven tackles for a loss in a season. Uh, just, you know, we know at Michigan State, the, the big tackle numbers aren't going to be there for D tackles. That's not their job in the defense. Uh, but he's a guy I think certainly could make impact plays. And just like you said, coming in with fresh legs, being a rotation guy there, just like, hey, get in there for your handful of snaps, make some explosive plays. Yeah, he's someone I'm definitely looking forward to watching uh, and just uh, the world of potential. And like you said, had a good spring game. That's where we can really start to see these guys. Is there going to be something there? And yeah, maybe the O-line talent isn't the best and they're switching up schemes and figuring things out. But still, Mm -hmm. uh, he's a big athletic dude. uh, And if you can find a way to get him on the field, uh, I think he's going to be able to make some plays for this team this year. And I think maybe the the coaches will feel a sense of having to get some of the younger guys on defensive tackle some snaps just with we're going to have to replace Williams and Ponisuk. And they are are central cogs for our defense. So looking forward to him getting some quality playing time. Yeah, you got a presumed starter in the not this season, but the year after that, Naquan Jones, and then whoever else is gonna. Maybe it's not even Naquan Jones. Uh, who who's gonna step up and be the future mm-hmm. starting defensive uh, tackle pairing? All right, we'll be right back with Al, uh, and we'll get into number two and number one on the breakout list. Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Spartans on the new Himalaya podcast app. You can also subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Let's move up to number two. Who is your number two breakout candidate? Number two, we go right back to Bolingbrook, Illinois, and this time it is a true freshman, mm-hmm. and it is running back Ant Williams Jr., um, you know, as you know, last year we are we we're coming off one of our worst rushing attacks in recent school history. We lost, you know, LJ Scott and a very confusing last year for him. And mm-hmm. I think there's going to be an opportunity for someone to prove they deserve carries and touches uh, other than Connor Hayward. I think he's a sh- like he is definitely going to be guaranteed some touches. Other than that, yeah. obviously, it's a battle between the Bridges, Jefferson, Collins, Williams, and. Uh, you know, watching the spring game, as we alluded to with Deshaun Mallory, the offensive line was not opening up any holes whatsoever. But what I saw from Anthony Williams was a springy juke step, some explosion, just really good feet, and, and his vision generating the most of, of the little openings he had. Yeah, I think he complements Connor Hayward really well. And, and Connor can catch it too, which is really nice, especially for a bigger power back. And it, exactly, it, yeah. it allows them to give different looks because him in the slot, you can't put a nickel corner on him. It's sort of an intriguing way to get mismatches. And then you bring in a guy like Anthony Williams Jr., who you can throw in the slot, who you can send out on swing passes, screens, like smoke screens. And he makes, I forget who it was, the corner. Um, it may have been Kalon Gervin. I don't remember, but he made somebody look pretty foolish in the spring game. Uh, and he's just a nice compliment. A little bit of the, you know, we like to use the cliche thunder and lightning. <clears throat> I think he's maybe not uh, lightning in the sense of like, he's going to be an absolute burner and he's undersized and, and sort of that thing, like a real small guy. Uh, I think he's a more well-rounded running back and will develop into a more well-rounded running back. But at least right now he can catch, he can make plays in the open field. 
and seems to be a nice compliment for the power style of Hayward uh, at the very least. Yeah. And as you alluded to, you know, maybe he's not lightning, but you know, he's, he's got a hundred plus, uh, you know, inch long jumping mm-hmm. uh, track. Record oh, he's in high school. He's yeah. very explosive. He'll be able to get those 15, 20 plus yards. We need to keep churning the sticks and get good uh, ball security. I think you're right. It was Kalen Gervin that he beat on a crucial third down in the second half of the spring game when uh, we we moved out. You know, Anthony Williams Jr. just uh, early enrollee out wide in the slot, and he caught a huge quick out to convert for that first down. Yeah, for as bad as things went on offense, there are a lot of really exciting parts this year uh just in terms of skill position talent that might be you know i think could arrival really a lot of uh michigan state like through the years at d'antonio like the receiving core is really good and really deep there are some guys at running back who could end up being really good we'll see with tight end and the quarterback um you know we'll see there but there's certainly talent uh at all the skill position levels and as for as bad as things went last year i think if they can find some cohesiveness, get some good health, good luck. And the scheme isn't something from 1984. I think there could be some really (laughs) nice, explosive plays, consistent drives, and the offense will be something that you're like, okay, there's something here. Maybe it's not the best offense. Maybe it's not a top 30 offense, but there's something here. They can make plays. They can score 31 points on a decent team uh, and be not the the biggest anchor that we've ever seen in Michigan State football. So I'm interested <laughs> to see how this all shakes out because, yeah, I really like Anthony Williams Jr. I like the whole stable. I think it's an that's the mo- that might be the most interesting. I don't know if it's a position battle or, right, or right. what, but that might that's the most interesting group going into fall practice for me is the running back because it's really undecided. Hayward's going to get his touches. I think Jefferson you know, coming off a year where he played a way bigger role than you thought he was going to. He was a quarterback in high school. Like there's some natural ability there, uh, finding his way in the second year. Then you have Anthony Williams, you have a a bunch of recruits coming in uh, at the running back spot. And then you've got Bridges uh, and some other guys coming in. It's a really interesting group and I'm, I'm, someone's going to win that thing. And I'm hoping whoever wins it, it's not because like, well, someone has to do it. Uh, I hope it's because, wow, this guy needs the ball 150 to 200 times a season. So yeah, we'll see how I that agree goes. with you on on a couple parts there. Just the running back, just the opportunity battle. Yeah. Not even just the position battle, but there's some yeah. intriguing things there. And and even Elijah Collins coming off his injury. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I think my one. biggest takeaway was from the spring game was being how, how giddy I was for some of the playmakers we had just offensively. And yeah. just maybe we can be more competent and looking like we're just running the old <laughs> wishbone old veer and and even d'antonio in the past has compared ant williams to like an rj shelton and obviously mm-hmm. our stable wide receivers is going to be could be huge yeah really uh interested to see how that goes and i'm starting to work myself into like cautious optimism that it could be <laughs> right? okay. all right who is your number one breakout candidate this season uh, number one breakout candidate for the Spartans this year is linebacker Chase Klein. Mm-hmm. He is a massive, imposing 6'4 linebacker from Ohio. He is uh, he was the same recruiting class as Mallory. He's a redshirt freshman. And just with the departures of Andrew Dowell and John Reschke, there are going to be so many snaps up for grabs at linebacker next to the likes of Batchy and and Simmons and Thompson. And, and even last mm-hmm. year, we did have five linebackers who got enough yeah, playing time. Boyer Randall. Yeah, 30-plus tackles. So it's going to be really interesting 
And um, even though uh, Jess Lord Boateng did start in uh, Simmons' place during the spring game, Chase Klein ended up capitalizing on his opportunity. And, and he was, I mean, he was reminding me of Batchy making plays all over the field for the number one and number two defense. You know, he led the team in the spring game with eight tackles. And not only is he a tackling machine, they were putting him as, you know, at nine technique, as an edge defender, blitzing <laughs> him off the edge on multiple occasions. And I saw him ragdolling A.J. Curry and Jordan Reed. And it was just really intriguing to see this multidimensional linebacker, edge rusher, 6'4". And I was getting very excited about his potential. Yeah, I'm not sure where he ends up. He could end up in the middle uh, when Bachi goes uh, after mm-hmm. the season. And I would be perfectly fine with that. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, just because the size is is an interesting thing potentially coming off the edge if he's an outside guy and can move exactly. into blitzing spots. Uh, and so we'll see how that shakes out, of course. I'm sure they're going to see him. We're going to see him all over the the, the, the defensive, uh, the front seven, except for he's not going to get kicked inside, but pretty much anywhere else on the front mm-hmm. seven, we'll probably see him take snaps at this year. And I'm with you. I think he's just kind of like, crazy like a little chris fry crazy <laughs> yeah exactly he looks he like there's a wire seems, loose yeah it just seems like like he's a michigan state linebacker like he's that type of dude um and he, he can certainly play he showed it in the spring game he's got a really nice pedigree a top 500 recruit uh comes from a good school in ohio like th- this mm-hmm. kid's gonna be able to play and he is a, an absolute monster a tackling machine huge physical good athlete uh, and they'll, they'll find snaps from this year. It's a really good linebacking group. It's not quite as deep as the front is, but it's still a really good linebacking group. Like Michigan State's front seven is about as good as you're going to get in the country uh, mm-hmm. outside of Alabama, maybe. You know, it's a top, Clemson, it's top yeah. yeah, Clemson is the top <laughs> exactly. five front seven. So, you know, maybe if he was at Purdue or something, this kid's already a full-time starter. Uh, but I think next year he's certainly going to be a full-time starter. Don't know where at yet. Um but this season we're going to see him a ton and he's going to make big plays and just kind of be that next guy in line for the next great Michigan state linebacker. I really like him really excited to see him be able to play a full slate of games this season. Yeah, I, um, I think we'll see him. He played, at, God. No, I think what did he play last year? Just a handful, right? Yeah. He, he barely got in games last year. Yeah. And then uh, whatever it is, a uh, couple a couple appearances and then red shirt, like he's going to get the full slate this season. They're going to get him on the field. Uh, just, yeah, looking forward to watching him. Yeah, I think he'll, you know, he was he was generating some buzz before his senior in high school. He mm-hmm. did really well at Ohio State's camp, our camp and Michigan's did not get an offer from those two schools, which he thought he might. And he even at one point had four stars from the from the different recruiting services but yeah I think we'll see him uh, you know at Sam star and lining up a defense and he'll be one of those underrated um, depth uh, versatile chess pieces him and then Michael Dowell we'll see them just a ton playing a couple different positions just being that 12th 13th defender for us yeah when it's um when it's guys that are kind of I don't know fringy like could this guy be a four star or is he a high three star and then Michigan doesn't offer, I feel like that carries too much weight in the recruiting services and that weighs too far into their evaluations beyond what they might do at a camp or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, it's known to some people as the Michigan State bump where, you know, 
Dobbs commits. Oh, we fully expect it. Yeah. yeah. Loses his fifth star. <laughs> Darius Snow goes from 70th in the class to 170th. And, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Things happen. A, a snap. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Klein is a pretty well-regarded recruit. It's a, a recruit. It's a good enough pedigree. Uh, and I think he's going to be someone who, who makes a ton of plays this year. All right, Al, thanks so much for doing this. Really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> give the people your Twitter handle. Uh, and then tell them where they can find your work. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I know you covered these guys on your great positional breakdowns for the podcast, and I just got to expand on them a little more. I was chomping at the bit for this, but yeah, you can find me at um, at uh, Saucy Fredo and uh, read my articles on The Sports Wave, um, NFL writer there, and thanks for having me, Will. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tag your uh, Twitter handle as well when I when I post this out as well. So if you guys want to uh, follow, I'll be sure to do that. Thanks again for doing this, and we'll catch up down the road. Yep, appreciate it. Can't wait for fall camp. All right, thanks to Al for joining the show. Good conversation there. That's going to do it for us on today's episode of Locked on Spartans. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. Thanks so much. For listening, thanks to Hotels.com, thanks to Twillery. Remember, go check out those shirts, Twillery.com slash LockedOn, promo code LockedOn. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of LockedOn Spartans. We're going to jump back to NBA Summer League and check back in with our Michigan State guys and see how they're doing. So we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, go green.